You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Dominic Cummings announces that he'll be leaving number 10 by Christmas, meaning that he couldn't even super forecast that he'd actually be out on his ass by Friday night. Donald Trump continues to claim conspiracy over the result of the US election, insisting that millions of votes were flipped from him to Joe Biden, and to be fair they were, but by Donald Trump himself. The UK becomes the first European country to pass 50,000 Covid deaths meaning that we automatically qualify for next year's Champions League of criminal incompetence. And finally, the UK's broadband providers saw record use this week as gamers logged on to the new Call of Duty, meaning that some players received a bombardment of racial slurs from angry teenagers at slower speeds than usual. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. Pack up your shit, stick it in a box, and fuck off to Barnard Castle. We've got the only eye test you need right here. Can you see us? Because we see news, and we're going to torture metaphors together until the hot facts spill out of their dismembered corpses. If you've ever arrived home with a gurgling stomach and had to frantically dash upstairs in order to void yourself in the style of a fire hydrant filled with gravy you'll probably have some sort of idea of the sense of relief that's immediately followed this week's leading story. It's happened months later than it should have done, but our political establishment has finally purged some of its most noxious bowels, and the Westminster career of the spad who would be king, Dominic Cummings, is, for now, over. His departure followed a week of boiling tensions behind the scenes at number 10, that also saw the departure of Boris Johnson's chief spin doctor and director of communications, Lee Kane. The leaked news that he was to be offered a promotion to become the Prime Minister's chief of staff caused uproar among Tory backbenchers, who have long had an adversarial relationship with Boris Johnson's most abrasive advisers. It appears to be the case that Cummings threatened to follow Kane if he was pushed out to appease them, and on Friday night, he did just that. The result is a purging of two of Number 10's most unpopular voices, as the Prime Minister seeks to reinvent himself and improve his failing public image. Without the twin devils of vote leave on his shoulder, there's now a thin hope for compromise in achieving a trade deal with the EU, but the departures of Cummings and Kane do nothing to wash away the myriad sins of this government. In fact, this tawdry political row and the spectacular fallout it's caused highlights in glorious technicolour just how deeply flawed the priorities of Boris Johnson's government have always been. This is a Conservative Party obsessed with fractious, confrontational, bureaucratic reforms in the middle of a national crisis, 
unable and unwilling to see beyond its nose to the misery it has created. It is vile and shameful that a grubby little Iago wannabe like Dominic Cummings is even a story at all in the week that the UK passed the grim milestone of 50,000 Covid deaths. But hey, it's a comedy podcast, so let's not try to get too bogged down in the unpleasant realisation that petty political squabbles are distracting our elected officials to the point where it's causing untold suffering to innocent people and irreparable harm to our economy. There was also a thin slice of delicious good news on the buffet table of pure shit being offered up by British politics this week. As German pharmaceutical giant Pfizer announced that its COVID-19 vaccine appeared to be 90% effective in a widespread testing programme. Exciting new news requires bold and ambitious reporting. We're going to try something new in this episode, and it's the tried-and-tested Talking Heads format. We'll be pitting a calm, level-headed correspondent against a raving nutjob, all in the name of journalistic balance. This is Fighting Talk. Words. Cross. Mass. Debate. Argument. Information. Here today to discuss the Pfizer vaccine in a needlessly combative fashion that does nothing for the integrity of the story, but does hopefully bump up our ratings a little bit, are Alison June-Smith and our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Hi Sam, thanks for having me. It's all a fucking conspiracy! Thank you both for that introduction. It served nicely to illustrate just how embarrassingly partisan this whole section is going to be. You're very welcome, Sam. Go fuck yourself with a rusty pipe, you deep state shit artist. Oh my. What we're going to do is throw a couple of questions to each of you. You'll each be given time to answer, and then we'll come together at the end of the questions for a short debate. That sounds perfect. I'll kill everyone in the room. Sorry, was that too far? First of all, Alison, I'll come to you. What was your reaction to Pfizer's announcement? Well, Sam, I think it goes without saying that this was an undeniably positive development. While there are still plenty of challenges ahead, both in terms of regulatory approval and the difficult logistics of mobilizing any kind of mass vaccination program, it's nice to finally have some light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see that the international vaccine effort is producing real and verifiable results. Hopefully, within the next year, we'll be in a much better position to protect our vulnerable people from this terrible virus. That being said, it's important to remember that as things currently stand, this is no magical silver bullet that's going to immediately end this pandemic. There's still an awful lot of work to be done. And Danny, the same question to you. Well, I was fucking livid, and if you think I'm going to mainline some non-striven Nazi tracking serum into my veins just because Big Pharma told me to, you're off your fucking nut. This is just money in Bill Gates' pocket, mate. And the timing of the announcement was designed to do one thing and one thing only. Cost Donald Trump the election. Right, because a German company creating a vaccine without any American funding should work to a timeline dictated by a presidential election in the United States. Exactly! Hang on, I thought we weren't meant to be agreeing with each other. Let's just move on to the next question, shall we? Alison, will you be taking this vaccine? Well, Sam, all the appropriate safety studies are currently ongoing, and provided Pfizer's vaccine gets the official approval it requires after those, then yes, of course I will. 
And it's important to stress that for our collective immunity to be effective against this pandemic, it's essential that we see a strong uptake among the population. And look, I get the skepticism some people have about all of this. It's completely understandable that people have concerns about just how quickly science has moved to develop a solution to this worldwide crisis. But there are established regulations and safeguards in place to ensure that any COVID-19 vaccine is as safe as it can possibly be before it can ever be rolled out to the public. Frankly, it's dishonest and dangerous to suggest otherwise. And Danny, what about you? Absolutely fucking not. If you think I'm going to sign up to getting a tracking chip jabbed into my arm, you're out of your mind. My movements, my likes and dislikes, my everyday activity, my social circle, they're my business. And no covert Illuminati op is going to take away my freedom. Sam, please, you can't seriously expect me to sit here and entertain this nonsense without any evidence. I've got evidence! It's all out there. Hey Siri, tell the truth about Bill Gates. Okay, I found this on the web for Tell the Truth About Bill Gates. See? Right there. Nobody's tracking me while Siri's on the case. You have a new notification from Amazon Shopping. It might be time to order more lubricant. What? Not for me. Look, this was a nice idea, but I think it's probably got a little out of hand. Maybe we can just end the partisanship here by coming together and agreeing that medical science is nothing to be feared, but the right to healthy scepticism is a question of individual preference. I have no problem with that sentiment. I just don't want to see harmful disinformation affecting public health. And you, Danny? Well, I think it's all bollocks, mate. And I'm going to keep coughing on Nana like the free man and patriot I am. I've got a mate who saw a YouTube video that said an anonymous doctor once met a nurse who reckons the government paid her off to say nothing when she found out from a friend who'd read online that the old pandemic is all a Belgian hoax. Well, you can't possibly argue with that. This has been Fighting Talk. What? Yes, you can. Of course you fucking can. Don't you play the music over me and give the final word to that fucking idiot. Dominic Cummings wasn't the only story hoping to quietly sneak out of number 10 this week. After months of insisting he wasn't for turning, despite being a man caught in a state of constant pirouette, Boris Johnson once again went back on his own word. After a determined and dignified campaign looking to support England's most vulnerable children through the pandemic, footballer Marcus Rashford received a phone call at the weekend from a Prime Minister who finally admitted defeat. For the latest take on the holiday school meals story, we gave Tom King the key to the dimensional gate this week. Oh, you love to see it, don't you? The dogged forward refusing to lose the ball, sticking to his plan of attack, darting around a shambolic defence that have no idea how to react to him. It's one of the most satisfying sights in the world, particularly when the goalkeeper is a useless shithouse who's blonder than Peter Schmeichel and nowhere near as likeable. It's just a pleasure seeing the opposing team get so thoroughly outmanoeuvred by a young lad with some actual class and decency. 
Conservative FC may have all the fancy Russian funding, but that's not stopped them from tripping over their own feet when Marcus Rashford runs straight at them. This week, Boris Johnson performed yet another U-turn. Um, hang on, is this... No, no, it's right. Sorry, everyone. I'm just so used to reading that line, I'm never sure if I've actually got this week's script in front of me. Boris spins around faster and more often than the Tasmanian devil on a meth binge. Sometimes it's just hard to keep up. The latest pivot was, of course, on holiday meal vouchers for England's most disadvantaged school kids. It's a row that's played out loudly and publicly over the last few months, and the Prime Minister has now finally decided that he's had enough of it. Having absolutely embarrassed himself, he's hoofed the issue clean off the pitch in the hope that it never comes back to haunt him. Meal vouchers for almost 1.7 million children are now to be funded in the holidays right through to Christmas next year. That's a drastic change of tack for a man who just a few short weeks ago was insisting that his government already had the correct approach to tackling child poverty. That argument was never going to hold any water, given what we already know about the way Boris tackles anything. He approached the poverty crisis faced by hundreds of thousands of hungry pupils the exact same way he approached Japanese children in that rugby match. He went in head first and absolutely wiped out any hope the kids ever had. Thank fuck then that disadvantaged children in England had Marcus Rashford looking out for them. It's been a remarkable display of activism from a man who lived through and understands the knock-on inequalities of childhood hunger. What's more, he's waged his campaign with humility and a sense of decency the Tories have done nothing to earn from him. If I'd successfully made Boris Johnson look a complete tit, I don't think I'd have been able to resist rubbing it in. Instead, though, Rashford has simply thanked the government before insisting that there's still more to be done. For a Conservative Party that's always been ideologically opposed to the welfare safety net, that quiet statement of intent was a promise of further embarrassment yet to come. It speaks volumes that the government chose to announce this policy shift on the weekend that saw Trump lose the US election. There was no triumph to be had, only an absolute humiliation that the Tories were clearly hoping would disappear in the back page of the newspapers. Well, sod that. If our government is so shockingly cruel and useless that it has to be humiliated into feeding kids in poverty, even in the middle of a global pandemic, everyone deserves to be reminded of it as loudly and as often as possible. And that's why I've come here to Earth Delta Foxtrot Lions 3. Here, for some reason that's frankly beyond me, the most popular spectator sport in the country is politics itself. Prime Minister's Questions takes place in Wembley Arena, and as you can hear, the latest U-turn from the government is being received about as well as it was at home. (laughs) Go on, the lads, go on! Yes! I'm Tom King, and although this isn't exactly my cup of tea, it's still much more entertaining than watching Man United at the moment. Reporting for IC News.
It's an admittedly slim and rapidly vanishing hope, but there is a chance that the removal of the vote-leave hemorrhoid from the Prime Minister's inner circle may improve the chances of a trade deal with the European Union. The British government now also faces potential pressure from across the Atlantic, as Boris Johnson's best hope for a comprehensive American trade deal were always going to lie with the currently squatting president rather than his successor. Barring a truly spectacular collapse of the democratic process, Whitey Bulger impersonator and Level 50 Draugr from Skyrim, Joe Biden takes over from Donald Trump in January, and he's been notably less supportive of the Great British break-off. Here to discuss the US election in general, as well as what the Biden administration might mean for Brexit, it's our trade correspondent, Che Burnley. Che, thanks for joining us. First of all, how do you feel about the news that the US has a new president? I, uh, I imagine it's quite the relief. Oh yeah? Why is that then, Sam? Oh, well, you know, because Trump is Trump and you're... From Oldham? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I meant. Fucking hell, you're too easy. I'm pulling your leg, mate. I'm in far too good a mood to play your soft white ass like a fiddle today. Of course I'm happy Trump's gone. Me and just about every other black person going. Apart from maybe 50 Cent and Kanye. Didn't Trump increase his vote share among black voters, though? In much the same way that a stepladder will get you closer to the moon, yes. But overwhelmingly, the black community in the States backed Biden, which says a lot about how little they think of Trump. The 1994 crime bill hasn't been forgotten by any stretch, and they still back that guy over the wannabe autocrat. Take it you're not wildly enthusiastic about the new administration, then? Well, Biden's track record isn't exactly glowing, is it? But the fact is, the black community recognised a far more pressing and existential threat to them when they saw it. And they mobilised against it, like they always do. The Democrats didn't flip red states thanks to Republican grifters like John fucking Kasich. They did it thanks to the contributions of grassroots activists and politicians like Stacey Abrams in Georgia. John Kasich, of course, being the former Republican governor of Ohio, who's been tipped for a potential position in a Biden unity cabinet. Yeah, the same knobhead who this week was all over American news, lamenting that the hard left nearly cost Biden the election. He's, he's full of shit, and the fact that Ohio stayed red and didn't move an inch towards Biden proves it. Kasich has helped the Democrats this election about as much as a kick in the balls helps an headache. It was progressives mobilising the vote in big cities that tipped so many states in Biden's favour, and they've done it without the gratitude of the Democratic establishment many of whom still seem to think that reaching out to Wall Street instead of the people is the safest way to the White House. The simple fact is that America's demographics are rapidly changing. Many progressive policies, like a Green New Deal, a public health care option and police reform, are now actually overwhelmingly popular with the majority of Americans. Socialism is still a trigger word for millions of people, obviously, but the idea that anything Joe Biden's platform offered was particularly hard left is an even bigger joke than Trump's election fraud lawsuits. You don't expect much from Trump's legal challenges, then? No, I don't. And although they might not be saying it out loud, nor does anyone around Trump himself. The GOP play here is obvious. They need the giant orange baby on side until the Senate runoffs play out. They know this refusal to concede is pathetic. They know he's got no chance of getting thousands of perfectly legal votes thrown out. But they also know he's a fragile egomaniac who could turn his base against the Republican establishment and cost them overall control of the Senate. Once George is out of the way, McConnell will drop Trump like a sack of hot shit. Then, and only then, will we never have to hear names like Mike Pompeo 
or Jared Kushner or Stephen fucking Miller ever again. Or until 2024, at least. Don't, mate. Just, just fucking don't. Moving on from the States itself, then, let's talk about how a Biden presidency could play out in terms of Brexit. Well, let's just put it this way, Sam. You know how Irish Americans always have this weird obsession about their Emerald Isle roots, right? Well, they do drink green Guinness on St. Patrick's Day, Che. Just like everyone definitely does in Ireland. Exactly. Well, Joe Biden is proudly Irish-American, and he doesn't exactly like the idea of the British government breaking international law and wrecking the Good Friday Agreement. In fact, you could almost say that his heritage means he has an ancestral dislike of that sort of thing. Very good. I uh, I see what you did there. Christ, we're really fucked, aren't we? Got our blue passports back, though, didn't we? Thanks. I really hope it isn't breaking journalistic impartiality rules to say this, but I fucking hate this government. Well, now you know how black Americans have felt for the last four years. I'm Che Burnley, reporting for IC News. Che's sobering evaluation brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. After Wales and Scotland scrap exams for 2021, Boris Johnson asks if his entire government can be graded on last year's predicted results, rather than the ones it's actually achieved. The Yorkshire Ripper Peter Sutcliffe dies in hospital after refusing treatment for COVID-19. He becomes the least likeable violent misogynist to catch coronavirus, leapfrogging Jair Bolsonaro to the top of the table. Russia claims its own vaccine is showing promising results, but unfortunately it can only be administered through hand-to-hand contact with an immunised doorknob, and the side effects include convulsions, nausea and the untimely death of any political opposition. And finally, Joe Wicks completes a 24-hour workout challenge for children in need, and is said to be almost as exhausted as the wrists of thousands of estranged wives who were watching him online. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.